because they wanted to meet with God. Amen. Amen. Man, that's awesome. I love what God's doing. Um, so anyways, let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to get into the Word this morning. Heavenly Father, we bless you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for that opportunity that we have to assemble together in Jesus' name in this generation. Lord, we thank you that you've placed us in this time and place, Lord. You've put us here for a purpose. Lord, we ask for your blessing this morning as we congregate, Lord, in the middle of the rain. Lord, I thank you for a people that are hungry to know you, to know the truth. Lord, we ask this morning for your anointing over your word. Lord, I pray for that anointing to preach and to teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing to hear and receive everything that the Spirit of God is speaking to us this morning. And Lord, we ask it in the mighty, matchless, and only saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody says, amen, amen. amen. This morning, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1 in our message. One of the things that I want to begin this message with is to tell you that in the last days, how many of you believe that we're in the last days? In the last days, the Word of God says these are perilous times. The perilous times, now I want you to know something, in, in the Lord's hands, we're okay. Amen. Doesn't Jesus t- teach us in John chapter 10 that when you're in the hand of God, no man can pluck you out of God's hands, right? Uh, can you jump out? Sure. <laughs> but nobody can take you out of the hand of God. Now these are perilous days, but the problem is not that the world can pull you away from God if you're safe in God's hands. The perilous times is that people lose hope. People begin to turn from the power of God and they begin to turn from the simplicity of the message of Jesus Christ and they begin to open themselves up to other means and other influences and they become, uh, they become vessels that the enemy uses to destroy and to bring darkness, and to bring depression, to bring bondage. We see a lot of people today, they are not satisfied in Christ. And I want to tell you, one of the most important things that you need to get today is a heart for God. You need to get satisfied in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Nothing else will satisfy the soul of a Christian. Nothing else will do for the soul of a Christian. He is the one that we love supremely more than anyone else in the world. I love that old song, Take the World But Give Me Jesus. Take the world, but give me Jesus. It's not just a song. Come on, somebody. That that was birthed from somebody's heart. Whoever penned that song, that was birthed from an experience. And they came to a place where they said, you know what? You can have the car. You can have the house. You can have have everything you want. Job kind of came to this place. Job had everything taken from him. His family, his finances, everything and he came to this place where he would rather have God you know what you can take everything away he said the Lord gives the Lord takes away but still my heart will say blessed be the name of the Lord and I believe in these days and in the times that we live in we're going to have to get a heart for God like that we're not going to be able to be casual Christians when there's a crisis in the land the, the, the times that we live in right now call us to the battleground, to call us to the forefront. And I want to show you this morning that it is, it is imperative that we eliminate every other means in our life except Christ 
Him crucified, Him resurrected, and the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. This morning in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, let's read this scripture. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. You can't stop them. It doesn't matter who you elect as president. It doesn't matter what, what they do with the stock market. It doesn't matter who, who runs the government. It doesn't matter who gets impeached, who gets thrown in jail. It doesn't matter what world leader runs France or Germany or the United Nations. Perilous times will come. When we get closer to the end of days, the perilous times will increase. And, and you need to know and be aware of that reality. Because the enemy plays on fear. We'll touch on this in a minute, but do you know whenever the enemy came to Eve and he began to whisper in her ear, he played on her fear. That God was holding something back from you. There's, it's not that he was saying, just do away with God. That's a lie from the devil. He does, he's not going to be that bold. He's more subtle. It's, it's not that you got to do away with God, but you can have God and. You can have God and whatever. And you see, the, the lie that the enemy spoke to Eve, it played on her fear because he began to say, God's withholding something from you. You don't have to be this exclusive. You don't have to be this sold out. You don't have to be that, that dedicated to Christ. You can have the things that you want and him. Well, we would say you, you, then you would have Jesus in name only and not in reality. And that's what Paul's going to touch on in this chapter right here. But you need to know that perilous times are coming. These are not going to be easy times. You, you can talk about a test on the forefront of it, but until you're in it, you have to prepare beforehand. You have to be ready beforehand. But before the test comes, God's telling you, there's a testing, there's perilous times. What will you do? Will you lean on what makes common sense, what makes natural sense, or will you hold fast to what God has said? This is the key. This is the key. Read, read with me this scripture. It says, For, um, perilous times will come, verse 2. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good. We see a lot of this in the world today. Traitors, heady, high-minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Paul's saying there, there, there are people that are unholy, that are unthankful, that, that don't know the power of God. They love the pleasures of the world more than the simplicity and the purity and the holiness of our God. And you cannot have a mixture. A little leaven leavens the entire lump. You cannot add the world to a holy God. You cannot mix these things together. 
And when perilous times come, you're going to have to run to God and run to Jesus, right? And not to the world. Now, the, the thing I want you to see is, is that there's a form of godliness. This form of godliness, every, every self-respecting person knows to, you know, if somebody's praying, take your hat off. Every self-respecting person knows that. That's a form of godliness. Is it, you know, give God his, his due respect every now and then. You're not just going to outright disrespect. Now, there are those that do. They don't have a form of godliness. We're talking about people that have a form of godliness. These are people that have gotten accustomed about how to say the right religious terms at the right moment. Amen, brother. They, they know the right words to say and they know the right actions to do in order to keep the semblance up, to keep the, the mirage going. They have a form of godliness. But the reality is, unless you have Jesus, you have no power. And this is very much going to be a, 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 a message. I believe God's going to open your eyes on something. Because until we come back to Christ, until we come back to him crucified, until we come back to the purity and the simplicity of the message of Jesus Christ, we will not know the power, but we're going to have to keep the, we're going to have to keep the mirage up because there will be no steam in the engine. We're going to have to huff and puff ourselves. We're going to have to keep the, the religious vernacular up. We're going to have to look at what everybody else, when they say amen, amen. Everybody else standing up shouting, I guess I better too, or they're going to think something's wrong with me. Well, I, I really don't want to go to church, but if I don't, I know pastor going to call me or text me or something. I hang back once or twice, but if I hang back three times, I know I'm going to get a call or a text. Better, better show my face. Better show my form. Better smile, even though I'm broken. I better, I better look the part, even though I don't have it. See, until we humble ourselves, say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I need the power of God in me. I'm willing to let down my defenses. I'm willing to humble myself. I'm willing to, to let you and everybody else in the world know that I need you. I need you more than I need breath. I need you more than I need another day. Amen. Isn't one day in the court of God better than a thousand elsewhere? Isn't that what the word says? So I'd rather humble myself and be in the court of God today than spend another thousand on this earth. Let us humble ourselves before our God and say, Lord, please help me to not have a formality of religion, but not have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. God's desire for you is that you would be a fire-breathing, tongue-talking, Jesus-exalting child of God in a generation that doesn't know God, that is lost and in darkness, and in a church world that's indifferent to the power of God. There's many in the church world that are so indifferent to the power of God that when you begin to stand up and you begin to speak the truth, they'll tell you, hey, 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 
Come on now. It's okay to put a bumper sticker on your car, but, you know, don't don't live it 24-7. You're pushing this too hard. Last time I read the word, Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to be a light to those that are in darkness. Amen? Now, positionally, come on now, he's gone. He's in glory right now. But experientially, he's still here and the mission still continues. Now, he says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And if you don't turn away, this is a word for somebody right here. If you don't turn away from those types of influences, those types of influences will influence you. It matters who you listen to. It matters what you let in your heart. God said, guard that heart. Out of it are the issues of life. It's Proverbs 4.23. And and one of the things we've got to do is we've got to see what is influencing me. Who am I listening to? Am I listening to people that are religious but they don't know the power of God? They know about Jesus, but they don't have Jesus. Colossians says that the the hope of glory is Christ in you. And this is what we preach. I was talking with a young man this week. He he plays um, in a worship team at a church in Baton Rouge. He didn't know what it meant to be born again. He didn't know what it meant to have Jesus inside you. Inside? Inside. Jesus alive inside. Born again, born of the Spirit, born from above. A child of God, a living witness inside the glory of God. This is what we preach. We don't preach religious duty. We don't preach a form of religion. It is a power. It is a living power, a living witness in the life of the person that will believe. He says in verse 6, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. It simply means that they desire anything and everything except the main thing. They have diverse lusts. You see, this is one of those, those areas that a lot of people will skip past. A lot of people knew about Jesus. They knew he was healer. They knew he was deliverer. He could cast out demons, get healed broken bodies. Oh, but I love the woman who came and she broke her alabaster box over his feet and she began to weep at the feet of Jesus. And some of the self-righteous disciples, they began to say, man, you, you should, they, we should have taken that and sold it and given to the poor. And Jesus said, everywhere this gospel goes, it's going to be recorded what she did. Because she made Jesus the priority. She didn't have other interests. When she met Jesus, she met the one. 
Come on, somebody. When you meet Jesus, you meet the one. You meet the one. The one that loved you while you were yet a sinner. The word says that we love him because he first loved us. You meet the one. He says, ever learning. Now, this is what I want to get into right here. It says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janice and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Now, we're going to get into this part right here. This is what I want you to see. There are people that are ever learning, and they're never able to come to the truth. Don't be one of those kind of people. They're, 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 but you need to know there's a reality, and it's, it's, people make money off of these kind of people. In the world, they call them suckers. And they're suckers in the church. Because when you don't have the, the, the main thing, when you don't have Christ, when you don't have the power of God, and all you have is a form of religion, you will, you will buy hook, line, and sinker every shiny new thing that comes. Ever looking, ever learning. These are the kind that go to Bible study, to Bible study, to Bible study, to Bible study, but they don't, still don't have the power of God at work in their life. You see, you don't learn how to overcome sin. You don't learn how to overcome demons. You don't learn how to heal someone. You don't learn how to be set free. You come to Jesus. You come to the one. You come to Jesus, and he's the one that defeated death, hell, and every demonic power on the cross. He's the one that heals. He's the one that sets free. He's the one that delivers those that are in bondage. He's the one that breaks the dominion and the power of the devil off of your life, and he's the only one that can. Everything else is a religious formality, a smokescreen keeping you away from the real thing. The devil would love nothing more than for you to coexist with the smokescreen and have the religious smile, have the religious vernacular, but not have the real thing. He said, these kind of folks, and this is in the perilous times, in the last days, Paul's writing this, and he said, these are the kind of folks that are ever learning. They'll learn all about eschatology. They'll learn about types and shadows. They'll, they'll have Sunday school. They'll have men's studies, women's studies, youth studies. They'll have Bible studies ad nauseum. But they never come to the place of victory because they never come to Christ. Never have deliverance because they never come to the cross. God's never changed. 
If anybody's ever got set free, the only way they got set free was by coming to Jesus. The problem with our society is you can't, you, you, you can't make money off that. God's not for sale. So they've got to come up with ways to make money off the smokescreen. You've got to make a determination in you that you would rather have the real thing than the smokescreen. What does it cost you? You. Take the world. You're in the world. Take the world and give me Jesus. Paul said in Galatians 2, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ in me. This is the reality of the Christian experience. There has to be a death to self that the life of Christ can flow in you. You cannot cohabitate in this thing. There has to be a place where you say with Paul, I am crucified, done, dead. I'm gone, buried in the baptism of a death, raised to new life in Christ Jesus, and nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. There's no way around this reality God has the ability to deliver you save you set you free heal you God has the ability but what he's looking for in you is you to humble yourself before Christ and Christ alone when you add anything to it you being like these people right here and they said they're ever learning and never able to get to the reality to the truth now we know in this church who the truth is Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and that no man comes to the father but by me and this is the reality these people are ever learning things about God but they're never able to get to God because they add things and they mix things and they don't submit to the hand of Jesus I want you to know God loves you, and God loves to free his children. You look over in the book of Exodus, and we're going to get there in a minute. But God's desire, and he delights in freeing his children from the bondage of Pharaoh. The sad reality is a lot of our children, grandchildren, friends, neighbors, maybe even a spouse, maybe even you, are still under the dominion of Pharaoh in this or that area. The danger is for you to hear the voice of the enemy. Just like he spoke to Eve. And he didn't say, hey, you need to throw God in the wastebasket and come to this new thing. You're too smart for that. Give you credit. You're too smart for that. But what he would say is, hey, you got that thing down, but you need to add something to it. You need to add something to it. And the minute you add to it, there's no power in it. God won't share his glory. God won't share that glory. There's one place, there's one place where that power will be manifest. And that's through your faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Listen to this. He says, now he talks about these two people uh, in verse number eight. It says, as Janies and Jambres withstood Moses. These are two of the magicians in Pharaoh's court. I want you to think about something before we move on. These men, how hard hearted do you have to be to see all the works of God through Aaron and Moses? And did not say, you know what? You know what? 
that must be from the hand of God. How hard-hearted do you have to say, you know what, I, 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 I need to combat this. I need to explain it away. I know how they're doing this. I, I can imitate that. There's a danger in the church world of imitating the power of God. There's a danger in the church world of imitating the hand of God. And this is exactly what these two magicians did. They withstood Moses and they imitated everything Moses did. They tried to imitate. Now their imitations were no match for God, but that's what they tried to do. And when you begin to go awry, it's when you begin to justify. Well, you know, I, I, I know that God, you know, healed that one person, but they probably took Tylenol before church. I, I, know, that, I know that God moved in so-and-so's life, but, you know, they're at such a crisis right now, and they're really a pitiful, hopeless person. And, you know, they, they, you know just bless their heart. You begin to explain away and justify and you begin to push away and, and, and explain away the power of God. You're on dangerous ground. You're becoming more blind by the moment. Oh, those people that go to prayer meeting, they're just suckers. It said that these people in verse number 8, they resist the truth Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. They, they saw the truth, but they resisted it. Do you know that Christ is being presented to you? You see that cross? It's what we preach. Christ is being presented to you. And if you're still in bondage to something, it's because you're resisting the truth. Because the devil can't keep you away from Jesus. Even the man that was filled with the demons in Mark chapter 4, that man on the Gadarene Island, when he saw Jesus, he came and worshipped. The devil can't keep you away from Jesus. But you can. And if you resist the truth, and if you say, you know what, I got, I got, I got a few things going on, I got this. I'm talking about being set free. I'm talking about deliverance. I'm talking about freedom over sin and bondage. Oh, man, there's some people. They're willing to let go in certain areas, but not others. We're willing to let God deal with our temper. But we're not willing to lay down our pornography. We're we willing to let God work on certain things. Because, you know, you can go to church and say, I've been battling my temper. Y'all pray for me. But how humbling is it to say, you know, something's got a hold of me. And I want Jesus more than it. And you begin to testify of the power of God and say, you know what? I was in bondage to this. I was in bondage to that. And until I humble myself before Jesus Christ, until I, came to, until I came to Him and sought full deliverance, do you know that we're full gospel? Do you know that you serve a God that's a full gospel God? He don't give you 80%. He don't give you 85%. He don't set you 97% free. 
We serve a God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. He's an over and above God. And if you'll come to God, he'll set you free a full 100%. Even the children of God, whenever they left Israel, whenever they left Egypt, they left not only free, but they left with all the gold and the goods of Egypt. It's not a prosperity message, but it's there to show you God don't set somebody halfway free. He's not going to send you out into the desert on your own. Amen? He's going to send you wit. Now, turn with me, if you will, turn with me to 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul, again, talking about this same subject, and I've, I've, I've mentioned it, but I want to get into it here. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 3, he's talking about the same thing, how the enemy corrupts, how the enemy corrupts. You know, one of my favorite stories in, 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 the, in the Word of God is whenever uh, Balak and Balaam, you know, went out and he was trying to get this prophet to curse God's people. And he soon realized that you can't curse what God's blessed. He soon realized it. Amen? You know, that there's no witch that can curse you if you're blessed in God. If you've covered by the blood of the Lamb, guess what? That witch can't do nothing to you. And don't, don't be silly. I know it's not the 80s, but witchcraft is real. And it's going to be more real in these last days. People are going to be believing all kinds of crazy stuff. Be burning sage to try to get the aliens away. But the, re, the, the reality is, is that there's only one way, right? There's only one way that you're going to be safe from the reach of Satan. And that's covered by the blood of the Lamb. You cannot cross that bloodline. And God's calling on you to get all the way in and not leave one toe out. Full gospel. Fully submerged. Fully saved. Fully set free. Fully empowered by the Holy Ghost. Not a toe out. Listen to what he says in verse number 3 of 2 Corinthians 11. He said, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtly, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, I, I told you that story, one of my favorite stories about Balak and Balaam and, and how he learned that you can't curse what God's blessed. But if it can corrupt you, right? Yeah, there's no curse that he can come from the outside in. But if he can turn your heart, if he can turn your heart and get you corrupted. And what they began to do is they began to marry people God told them not to marry. They began to intermingle their lives with people that were Baal worshipers and people that, that, that worshiped the false gods and the false idols. 
And once they begin to yoke up with things that were not God, listen prophetically. Once they begin to yoke up with things that were not God, they open themselves up to being corrupted. And they were overtaken. You know how many people, they don't mean any harm. But they're not all in. They're good folks. They're sincere. The devil plays on those kind of folks. It's sad, but he does. You've got to be diligent, and you've got to know that your adversary, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The Word of God says resist steadfast in what? Faith. Resisting steadfast in the faith. Now, I, I was sharing that story with you because the enemy cannot come and overpower you. But if he can get you to corrupt yourself, to enjoin yourself with other things, to enjoin yourself with Christ and, he got you. He got you. This is how in a church they say um, over 50% of the men in churches today have secretly admitted to being bound by pornography. How's that possible? How's that possible? I thought in church they're supposed to be Christians. Supposed to be. But the reality is, is if you're, if you're not fully in Christ, if he's not singularly, the word here says simplicity, but if he's not singularly your one desire, you can't have Jesus and. Amen. It says that the serpent beguiled Eve through subtly. He didn't outright say, throw God away and forget everything he taught you. He didn't, he didn't come out as a God hater. He just said there's more to the story. There's more you need to know. You need to develop. You need to be, you, you, you need to be more well-rounded. You need to get out more. You need to have other friends other than just church folks. You need to have other influences other than just Christian stuff. You need to be more open-minded. No, never be open-minded to lies. Never be open-minded to darkness. Amen. I know it's not, I know it's not um, a, a politically correct thing to say, but you need to be closed-minded. When you come to Jesus, you close out everything else. But he said that they would be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you've not received, or another gospel which you've not accepted, you might well bear with him. Reality is, is that the enemy's looking to bring in something new, but he's not going to just outright get you to exclude Jesus. It's going to be an addition to and when you bring that addition to, that's where the, the purity of the gospel has been corrupted. The purity of the gospel is under attack today and in our generation. These are perilous times. The, the purity of the gospel, that God loves you. You know the devil don't want you to know that God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. 
In fact, he loves you so much that if he left you to yourself, you'd be headlong into hell. But he loves you so much that he came and he did something to help you. He incarnated in flesh, died on the cross, and rose from the dead on the third day, purchasing you with his own precious blood, giving you hope while you were yet hopeless. The purity of the gospel is under attack because if the enemy can't get you to, to, can't get you to think that God don't love you, right? He'll get you to look for other means of help. Like these two magicians in Pharaoh's court. There's many people in the generation today, especially the younger generation, they're battling depression, they're battling darkness, suicidal thoughts, demonic activity, because they don't know the reality that God loves them and God desires to set them free and God will free them if they'll come to Jesus. They think that they're forgotten. They think that they're abandoned. They think that they've messed up and there's no hope for them. But I want you to know as long as there's breath in the lungs, there's hope in Jesus. Nobody is so far outside the reach of God that he can't save them and set them free and change their life. Satan is a liar. God loves you. God loves you so much that he's not willing that you die. He's not willing that you perish under the hand and the dominion of Pharaoh. God loves you so much that he sent a deliverer. He came himself to deliver you. God loves you, friends. The simplicity of Christ is one of the objects of Satan's Ire. He does not want the simplicity of Christ because in the simplicity of Jesus Christ is where the power of God is. I want to show you what these two magicians did, if you will. Just bear with me. Go, turn back with me to Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter number 7. I want to show you what these two magicians did and how, why the Word of God says that they resisted the truth. This is very important for you this morning. These guys resisted the truth. It says in verse number 10 of Exodus chapter number 7, it says, And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt. Now this, this is who uh, the commentaries will tell you. This is the two men that Paul was talking about. It said, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. I want to just stop right there for a minute and just show you that these people saw the power of God on display, and they began to use carnal means to try to match the power of God. And this is the same thing that many in the church world do. They try to use carnal means to match the saving, delivering, set free power of God. They try to use carnal means to do what only God does. These people used enchantments 
Today, they just publish new material and sell it. But they used these enchantments because they were resisting the truth. They weren't willing to say, hold up, that's the hand of God. Let's go with God. They weren't willing to go there. They said, hold on, we, we, we've got to come up with something similar to that. They broke out some enchantments that failed. But they still resisted the truth. You see, the flesh... The, the flesh and the enemy of your soul is okay with you having enchantments, with you having a form of religion, with you always learning. But it's when you come to the truth, when you come to Christ, when you come to the place where you sell out and go broke for God, when you come to that place where you bow to your knees, bow on your knees to God alone and submit your life to Him. That's what the enemy resists. Because that's where God will begin to do a work in you. That's where God will begin to do a work in you. But these people, they, they began to use enchantments to try to explain away the power of God. And you know that there's many people today that they, they use enchantments. They use, come on now, smoke machines, laser lights, amen, glitter, shiny new materials. They, they, use, uh, they even use worship music. They, they use all kinds of things to, to be an enchantment. To explain away the power of God. And what it'll do is it'll keep the unsuspecting, undiscerning, ever learning, but never able to come to the truth child. It'll keep that person away from the one that can set them free. You'll settle for an enchantment and be mesmerized by the lies. Because you have a form of religion. Because you have a form of it. You see, you need to know this reality. You need to know this. God is not interested in your form of religion. Amen. God wants you to have the power to be set free. God wants you to be, have the power to live a holy life for him, to have the power to be a witness to a lost generation. God's desire is to break the power and dominion of the devil off of your life. But if you settle for a form of religion, you'll die in it. And you have to make that decision up yourself. You have to say, Lord, do I only have a form of religion? Am I one of those at this preacher? He's got all excited. This, am, I, am I one of those he's talking about that, that is ever learning? You know, read commentary after commentary after commentary after commentary after commentary, and they go all the way around the cross, but they never come to Jesus Christ, Him crucified, Him resurrected, and the Holy Ghost infilled. We have to come to that place where we take that inventory in humility and say, Lord, do I only have a form of religion? Do I not have that inner witness, the power of God in my life? Now, these enchantments that we're talking about here this morning, this is definitely witchcraft. But I want to tell you something. All witchcraft is, is people trying to use carnal ungodly things to do the same thing God does it's manipulation it's manipulation 
The very root word of, of, of witchcraft is manipulation. They cast spells on people to manipulate them. And you see, the enemy of your soul will manipulate you. If you'll not come to this place of the simplicity of Jesus Christ, you'll get manipulated the same way. Now, for the good part, turn with me to John chapter 8 this morning. John chapter number 8. The subtle thoughts that the enemy plants, they destroy the integrity of the message. John chapter 8, Jesus, this is one of many chapters that after Jesus got done, they were ready to kill him. In this chapter, it's one that he showed that he is God. He's the I am. Look at verse number 30 in John 8. It says, as he spake these words, many believed on him. I run into these kinds of folks a lot. You ask them if they know God. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You try to witness to somebody in the Bible Belt, and you'll soon find out. There's a lot of people that have a head knowledge about God. But in perilous times, head knowledge won't do. In any time, head knowledge won't do. But in perilous times, in the times of the last days, you have to make a, a, a decision that you're not going to be relegated to a head knowledge and a form of religion and not the reality. It said, as he spake these words, many believed on him. And Jesus, not satisfied there, much like, I love how John the Baptist did it. All these people came to be baptized by John the Baptist. And he said, where's the fruit of your repentance? And he turned them away. I've never seen a minister turn away from somebody from baptism. John the Baptist did. I've never seen a minister tell a king that it's not right for him to have that woman as his wife. Untie the knot. That's what he said. You mean John the Baptist wanted them to get divorced? Yeah, it was not right. If it ain't right, it ain't right. These people believed, and many people at that point, they would settle down, and they would be like, all right, we good. Jesus is going to press in here. He said, then, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you, oh, what's that word? Continue. That means you have to continue the way that you began this thing. The way that you get into Christ, the way that you get in to Jesus is through belief. It wasn't through works. It wasn't through water baptism. It, it, it wasn't through tongue talking. The way you get in Christ is you believe. And he said, the way you get in, continue. Continue. 
This, this is where God has called you to be. A, a continuer. A continuer. Now, if you're not a continuer, you won't have the power of God in your life. You, you will have a form of religion because if you don't continue in your belief, if you don't continue in, in, in you being crucified under Christ, if you don't continue in your belief of what he did on the cross, and that being the power of God unto salvation, if you don't continue in that belief, then you've messed up and you've gone your own way. You've been corrupted. You've been corrupted. At one time, Eve was right in God's eyes. At one time, she could walk right up into God's presence. At one time, she lived and she had eternal life. But because she was corrupted, it was broken. He said, if you continue in my word, then, and I would say, and only then, then are you my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Who's the truth? Jesus. And the truth will make you free. There's no situation, there's no bondage, there's no addiction, there's no influence, there's no power of the enemy that God cannot free you from. God will keep you set free, hedged in under the hand of God, protected by the blood of the Lamb. God will keep you and preserve you until the last day, but you've got to continue in the way that you started. You cannot allow these ungodly influences to corrupt the simplicity of the message of Jesus Christ. God is still able to set somebody free, but you've got to keep yourself hedged in and away from that corruption. You cannot allow the message because that's the means. The message is the means. And you cannot allow that to be corrupted. You can't allow it to be added to. You can't allow the enemy to whisper and say, you know what, it's good that you got that, now you need to get this. It says, if you continue in his word, not my words, not a denomination's words, you've got to continue in the word of Jesus. Oh, this, this, you know, the word of God is supposed to be manna, right? For your soul. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is where we're supposed to be, is continuing in that word that Jesus spoke. But inevitably, the enemy of your soul will not quit until the end. I believe it was John Newton that said that the enemy's sword is drawn all the way up to the pearly gates. You don't let that guard down. You don't allow the message to be corrupted. You don't allow your faith to be extinguished. One of the armor of God, the shield of faith, 
This is how you resist the enemy, going back to Peter. But the shield of faith quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. And, and I want to tell you that in these last days, in these perilous times, you're going to have to use that shield of faith because people are going to be leaning on the arm of common sense and reason in the last days. Because they're going to be running and looking for solutions. And there will be one that has all the solutions. There will be one that has all the solutions. It will coalesce all into one head, but I want to tell you that toilet bowl is swirling even now. It's all coming down into one point. It's all headed in one direction. And that one direction is away from the cross. Is away from the simplicity of the message of Jesus. Paul said... He determined not to know anything but Christ and Him crucified. Paul knew lots of stuff. He knew about the feast days. He knew about the rapture. He knew about the church. He knew about Israel. He knew uh, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. But he determined to let everything else go for the supremacy of the one thing. Christ and Him crucified. I want to tell you this morning, I believe God is speaking to to you today because there's a danger there's a danger in listening to corrupting influences one word i just hear the lord speaking right now is that the church has to make sure that we are not allowing ungodly influences to corrupt us if you allow those things into your heart and you allow those things into your mind it will corrupt you away from the truth You'll be like, oh, I would never turn my back on God. Well, Eve probably said the same thing. Because all the question was, was had God said? Not God lied to you. The devil didn't say God lied to you. He's wrong. He hates you. It's not how he comes. I read, I, I read to you 2 Corinthians 11 for a reason because it shows you that Eve was beguiled. She was tricked through the subtle words of the devil. Not that God hates you, but, well, that's not the whole story. You can have God and your pornography. You can have God and your temper. You can have God and your unforgiveness. You can have God and hatred. You can have God and gluttony. You can have God and your racism. You can have God and your pride. See, all these things, it gets real, don't it? It gets real real quick. Because God's a jealous God. And we can't be playing around with these things. The same way you get in Christ, same way you stay in Christ. You continue in the simplicity of who He is and what He's done. You don't settle for less. Don't let the devil justify things in you. You can hold on to that. You, you've got the religious thing down, and we can work on that later. Look, if there's something being highlighted, you better deal with it. 
I mean, it's hard to deal with something that ain't being highlighted. But if God's dealing with you about something, you better deal with it. And there's a lot of people that keep things back from God. That's, that's their pet thing. I grew up like that. My grandpa was like that. My dad was like that. It's just something that that's how our family is. I learned it at a young age, and I'm just going to deal with it all my life. Last time I checked, God's a deliverer. And if you're not set free, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. This morning, I want you to know that there's liberty in the house of God. Jesus came to preach liberty to those that were captive. Those that were bound by sin, those that were bound by the dominion of the devil. This, that, or the other reason. If there's an area in your life where you're not at liberty, please listen to the voice of God this morning. God wants you to be set free, and it is incumbent. There's nothing more important than you getting this right. There's nothing more important than you getting right with God. And this morning, if you feel the, the Lord ministering to you, I want, I want to pray for you. I want to ask everybody to pray right now. And if you're here this morning and God's dealing with you, I want to pray for you before we open up our altars. If you're here today and God's dealing with you, would you please raise your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father.